this year, this time last year looked really different for Maria and for me. After receiving a challenging diagnosis just six months earlier, Maria had just completed her chemotherapy and was preparing for Sorry, a bone marrow transplant. So last year, for the first time since I became governor, Maria was not here. She didn't attend the State of the State address in person. That night, we did not know how remarkable her healing journey was going to be. Maria and I want to thank you tonight, all across the state, for your love, for your encouragement, most of all, for your prayers for healing. And I want to thank you, Maria for all that you do for me, for all that you do for Tennessee, and for being you. Thank you. A touching moment at last night's State of the State address delivered by Governor Bill Lee. Our next guest was in the audience, State Senator Brent Taylor. A, a touching moment there to get that update on the First Lady of, of Tennessee, Mr. Taylor. It is, and, you know, it's all the more remarkable, and by the way, thanks for, for having me, Ben. It's all the more remarkable when you look at, at the governor's um, uh, history, if you will. You know, his first wife was killed in a tragic accident, uh, left him with, with small children at the time, and then he meets Maria, and, and they become a family, and then she I got this horrible cancer diagnosis, and, and for her to, to come through that, um, all the while living a public life and as, as first lady and him as governor, uh, it really is, it shows what a remarkable person, uh, Governor Lee is. Look, we, we can agree, uh, with the governor. We can disagree with the governor, but all of us, I think, can agree that, that he is a devoted family man that loves his children and loves his, his wife. And, and, uh, for that, I think, uh, that's all we can ask for in a governor, someone that's a committed family person. Yeah, and when you look at the activists across the state of Tennessee, how much they hate the governor, that may be his biggest endorsement. I was watching the state of the state last night. They would not shut up. That's the difference between Republicans and Democrats, conservatives, the progressives. We may disagree with people on the other side of the aisle, but it's not disrespectful. We do it in a way that is common sense and mature. And I just, I was really disgusted by the fact that it was so distracting, I'm sure, to the governor, but also those in attendance at last night's State of the State address to just be interrupted continuously through the entire thing. Anyways, that so was. It, it, no, I, I agree. And, you know, the people that continue to do that, if they cared at all about their message, they would quit being the messenger. Uh, because whatever your position is, it's so rude and obnoxious and inappropriate for the time that uh, you actually alienate people from your message rather than drawing them to your message. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Speaking of obnoxious, obnoxious messengers, we'll talk about the Voices for Palestine, the local group here that shut down traffic for two hours, of course, that being on Saturday with the commandeering of the I-40 bridge. So here they are. I pulled this audio and they knew what they were doing. They knew it was illegal. Last hour, we played that they had their bail bondsmen ready to go. The legal team on standby. Take a listen. Cut 16. I'm back on my Facebook live real quick just to show y'all what our actual plan was. MVP just took over the Memphis, Arkansas bridge. We're going to shut down.
first time since 2016 since anyone has ever been able to shut down this bridge. Uh, I'm walking up there right now. I will not be on the bridge the whole time, unfortunately. But, Hunter, yeah. you want to say something? I'm on MVP? Say I'm proud of these young organizers. You know, their voice is definitely going to be heard. It's the only bridge open today. So I would guesstimate this is Colson Commerce $20 million an hour. Y'all hear that? We're going to cost the city $20 million an hour being on this bridge. voice to be heard. That's how you do it. You shut down right. commerce. You f with their money. You know. Right. So free, free Palestine. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you, Hunter. So costing our city $20 million, they knew about this. This had been planned for a week in advance. They did it in 2016. Here we are in 2023. This can never happen again, Senator. I agree. And, you know, the, the thing about it is they're saying it cost the city $20 million. It didn't cost the city $20 million. It paid, it, it cost hardworking Memphians who are simply trying to operate their businesses and to get their goods and services across the river. It cost them $20 million. And, and, and again, for, for these people to think for a moment that, uh, they could shut down a bridge over the Mississippi River and Memphis, Tennessee, and somehow that's going to create a ceasefire in the Middle East, only goes to show you that we're not dealing with Einstein's cousins. <laughs> and they're so misguided and misinformed that they don't know the difference between their wrath and a hole in the ground. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're exactly right. So how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? I was listening to your interview on N2, and then I know you joined Earl on the Earl Farrell for Memphis show. So I'm reading where you want to launch an investigation or call on the TBI to investigate this, why it happened, and potential consequences. And what's fascinating for our, our listeners out there, maybe not aware of this, you had actually filed legislation a week ago, correct me if I'm wrong, before this even transpired over the Mississippi River. That's correct, and and aren't you impressed? I can see around the corner. What? Do you have a crystal uh, ball? What's going on? <laughs> no, I tell you, Ben, it's better to be lucky than smart. Um, I, uh, I actually worked on that bill uh, over the summer, and uh, and I was really hoping to accomplish two things. One, I wanted to put a stop to what we've seen um, a lot, and that's these cars that are doing the donuts and spinning out and and drifting in the inner sections and on the interstate and in the front of firehouses. Uh, and I, I wanted to put a stop to that because we've all seen the images of them doing that. And there's normally an occupant of the car hanging out uh, with a with a uh, automatic uh, weapon. And so I wanted to put a stop to that because it's dangerous not only for the participants, but for those who've been stopped in traffic if one of those cars careens out of control. Uh, but while I was writing the bill, uh, I knew that the bridge had been uh, frequented by protesters, and I knew that this would probably happen again. So I wanted to make sure that we uh, put a bill in place that would uh, make that bridge not a frequent target. And so what this bill does is it does two things. One, it it increases from a misdemeanor to a felony anybody that, that blocks vehicular traffic. And the second thing it does is it creates a private cause of action should somebody that stopped in that traffic uh, should they be injured in a way, in any way, that they can then sue the organizers of the protest. 
let me give you an example. If, if that bill had been in place for this past weekend, they they stopped the, the traffic on the bridge. There were people who over in eastern Arkansas were trying to get to our hospitals, mm-hmm. and God forbid, had one of those persons died, they would then be able to sue the organizers of that protest for damages. And so this bill will hold uh, people who want to do illegal protests, it will hold them accountable in two ways, one criminally and secondly civilly. And I think that will send a message and be a deterrent to these people who want to organize these illegal protests uh, that really uh, do nothing other than are annoyance to uh, those who are just simply trying to live their lives. Yeah. Speaking of $20 million costing taxpayers in Memphis, why don't we slap them with a $20 million lawsuit? The city of Memphis v. Voices for Palestine. That's what I'd love to see. All right, let's move on because... Well, go ahead. I, ben, I will, I will say I sent a letter to the TBI asking them to investigate to see if... if uh, because I was upset no uh, arrests were made. So I've asked the TBI to investigate to see if uh, arrests are still warranted once they do their investigation and they need to be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. With the exception of me, because I was with them, but I was a journalist. I didn't have my press credentials because I was out on a run. I guess I was lucky. All right. Um, well, if you get a call from Jag or Hoover, you, you let me know. All right. Good stuff. So you were called a hardliner or you and fellow Republicans in the state house because you have introduced legislation that would basically have the state step in and crack down on anti-police ordinances, as I would describe them. Here was an exchange on Fox 13 with the new mayor on these anti-police ordinances. Take a listen. We'll get your response in cut 20. Mayor, we seem to have this divide now. Some hardliners, I'll call them in Nashville, (laughs) want to get tough on crimes. And some cities around the country Say, look, let, let's not stop everybody for a busted taillight. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, well, uh, well, one, I stand for local control. Uh, I believe that it's important for municipalities like Memphis to be able to make the laws that are going to define how we govern our city. Uh, with regards uh, to the ordinances that are in question, uh, the city council has spoken. The people of our communities uh, came down back and forth to city council during that time period. And this was the result of uh, a lot of dialogue around how we mend um, a broken community. And I think it's important for us to honor uh, what council has passed and what the community has asked for. And most importantly, uh, local control here in Memphis. All right. I'll get your response. Then we'll wrap up. Yeah, no, I I, um, I heard the interview and uh, I, I simply disagree. I, the mayor said that uh, that Memphians had gone down to the city council and uh, had requested those ordinances. Uh, I, I just simply disagree. Uh, there was a minority of people with really large and loud voices that went down there, uh, and one of those ordinances passed. Uh, most Memphians that I hear from, they want the police to be able to do routine traffic stops. They want to take the handcuffs off of our police and put the handcuffs on the criminals where they belong. The one thing I have been surprised at the most since I have talked about uh, banning cities from from uh, from uh, banning these uh, routine traffic stops, one of the things I have uh, really been surprised at is the number of, of 
African-Americans who have called me and said, thank you for what you're doing. Wow. Uh, we are the ones that are the victims of crime, and we need the police to be able to do their job. So I, I really believe that the city council and uh, the uh, African-American leaders in Memphis, I believe they're missing the mark. I believe that Memphians, regardless of race, they are demanding that the police be able to do their job. And I and the General Assembly are going to take the handcuffs off the police so they can put them on the criminals. And if that means you're a hardliner that want to, quote, get tough on crime, good. Because most Memphians and Mid-Southerners, we've got your back, all right? So keep on fighting. Thanks for dropping by. Well, I, I, I tell you, I want to be the hardliner so that we don't have people with flat lines. Yeah. Uh, because that's our community is suffering. I mean, there was another uh, employee of St. Jude that was murdered yesterday. And uh, if it means I have to be a hardliner to try to bring some sanity back to our community, then call me the hardliner. All right. Good stuff. All right, Senator Hardliner, we'll get back to work. Thank you for dropping by. More on the other side, Thank taking you. your